0: In this era of COVID, we've all become used to working, shopping, and socializing remotely. But can you design at a distance? E-design is one of the fastest-growing areas in design, and not only out of pandemic necessity. Increasing numbers of clients are reaching out to designers whose work they admire but who live in a different city. Or they feel that working remotely is quicker, more convenient, and less stressful than a conventional collaboration. But how rewarding is it for a designer, and how successful are the results? Is long-distance design, like so many long-distance romances, doomed to end in heartbreak? I'm fortunate today to have two designers who have experience in designing remotely. First up is Martha Mulholland, a Los Angeles designer and stylist whose residences and shops are always clean-lined, curated, and composed. Martha has the ability to work in a variety of styles and periods but always yielding contemporary and comfortable spaces. Her design for the L.A. home store, the apartment for the line, has proven to be one of the city's most influential retail spaces. Hello, Martha. Hello. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm also pleased to have with us Danielle Rollins, a Palm Beach and Atlanta-based designer and lifestyle entrepreneur. Danielle is known for classic, colorful, layered, and luxurious rooms that are as stylish as she is. Rooms That Are Designed for Relaxing and Entertaining, as her second book, A Home for All Seasons, just published by Rizzoli, makes clear. Welcome, Danielle.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: I think some of us, including me, need an explanation of exactly how e-design works and how you got into it. So why don't we start with you, Danielle?
2: I got into doing e-design after doing an Instagram Live at Five during the very beginning of the pandemic. People seemed a little depressed, and you could see it on Instagram where people just seemed kind of lost. And so I started doing a Live at Five IGTV chat weekly with my friend Billy Seglia from Billy Seglia Designs, where we started aiming really at helping people make their home a more enjoyable place if they were going to be spending more time in it. And we would pick a subject matter like how to redesign your bathroom on a budget or how to style a coffee table or how to set up a home office that's stylish, how to redo a dining room that's multifunctional. And we found that people really loved it and they were really hungry for ideas and information. And it was a non-pressured way of us being able to connect with people. And from that I got six fabulous clients that I started six working clients. with six. Um, amazing. Fact, it is amazing. And I cannot tell you how much I've loved it. I am starting to work with somebody in Bahrain next week that wow. is just somebody that's been following me. And they I think really that made it more approachable because I think every single person said, I love your style, but I was too intimidated to reach out to you. I thought you would be too busy. And, you know, I think we all had a little opening at that point. So it's been really fun. I'm I'm meeting the person in New Jersey that I've been working with the last three months and can't wait to meet her in person. And one of the things I've loved about Instagram from the very get-go is it's like having your own instant neighborhood. The Mm -hmm. people that end up following you are there for a reason. They really like you. They really enjoy you. They find something out. So there's already that simpatico with who you are.
0: And they have a sense of your style, obviously, and how you live. Now, when you were doing the Instagram Live, did you use your own homes as examples, you and Billy?
2: We did. We would pick a space, usually whatever we were talking about. And then because I would go back and forth with Atlanta, I would do tours of my home in Atlanta, which is the subject of my book, Home for All Seasons. And then in the middle of the pandemic, we bought two new places in Palm Beach. So I would do special Live at Five tours with that and be able to kind of show me doing my own spaces. And I think that just made
0: it much more approachable to People. Now, Martha, how did it start for you? Because you you had mentioned to me that you're actually doing a little less e design now, and I'd love to know how it grew, and maybe now you're doing a little less.
1: Yeah, sure. So, similarly, my idea for it came about at the beginning of COVID. LA went on lockdown, and I think that there was a you know general anxiety, and as Daniel mentioned, this sort of. <sighs> just heaviness with everybody. Everybody's sitting mm-hmm. at home. They're staring at the like ugly corner that they've never you know been able to deal with. They're very aware of things. They have a lot of time on their hands. And also my normal clients, many of them are in the film industry, which was totally shut down. So right. I think there was this kind of panic moment where everybody was just like, all right, let's just hold for a second. And that's fine, but I'm not really one to, you know, take a time off gracefully. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, how can we pivot and use this opportunity where there are a lot of people that we may not be able to reach otherwise because they're you know not local in LA or they're just, we haven't really thought about this before, keep my team going. Is there some kind of program that we could put together that would allow us to connect with these people and and offer our services in some kind of a, kind of distilled way for the period of the pandemic. It was not something that we really intended to do full or, you know, long-term. It was like, let's try this and see how it goes. It's obviously something we've read about and there's no time like the present. And again, sort of similarly to Danielle, it was, it was extremely flattering to, see the response and see people who had said, Oh my God, you know, I love your work. I never thought I would get the opportunity to work with you in some capacity. You know, we have like 30 clients over the course of the, the period of time we wow. were doing it, which is great. But we were also offering these little like packages versus you know, as I'm sure, you know most designers have clients that are out of state, and, and we you know, we've, we've done projects that are more traditional structure. So we wanted to make sure that there was a differentiation between the type of service that people would be getting in the remote program versus a traditional structure, and it was yeah.
0: Because I'm curious, and not being a designer myself, I'm very curious about the process itself. Like, like Danielle. When these people reached out to you and said, I'd love to work with you, did they send you photographs of their home? Did they send you floor plans? How did it work?
2: You know, it was not anything that was super thought out. It was more, let me try this. And it's something I've been wanting to do anyway, where we were doing hourly packages. And I normally do a much different thing whenever I'm working with somebody one-on-one. So we started off with a simple hour package or a three, 6 six, twelve-hour package, and found that people so sort of wanted levels of
0: con- of consultation.
2: Yeah, and then mm-hmm. when when I started working with them, a lot of times it would be like one room. And really, what I said is I would do one room for one hour, and but I had to see multiple views from it. They had to be emailed from every angle with a list of objectives that they wanted to accomplish for that one room. And so within that, I needed to see spaces kind of transitioning around it. And I think that initial hour usually bled over to sort of, I need 12 now. And so (laughs) that sort of changed throughout the process too, where I started working more on a contract basis with people once that we had sort of hit this point of trust and they kind of saw that they were going to get the value of something. Um, And so I ended up switching to have one more person on my team that just helps me do fulfillment for my online positions because a lot of times they would have seen work that had been published. They wanted something similar. They liked certain things. And that sort of made me start thinking there was a missing opportunity in my business, especially through our eShop. So, we started right. trying to really cater towards what we were selling to people on the eShop that we were selling to our online clients.
0: Right. And Martha, how about with you? I mean, you know, it's interesting. I would have thought, because I don't know any better, that, you know, Danielle's work is, I would say, more layered and have paid more fabrics involved than your work, which is a little more streamlined and clean-lined, I think. And in a way, I would think it would be harder for Danielle to do remotely than for you, because you have, generally have fewer elements. Although, as we all know, simplicity is the hardest thing to achieve, and Bauhaus perfection is like a nightmare to, to really achieve. But did you find it easy in a way, or... Or did you have to do more explaining? Did you have to send more fabric samples? I'm really curious how, it, how the whole process worked for you.
1: Yeah, so the way that we set things up just to kind of manage expectations from the beginning was to say, you know, here's an introduction of the services we're offering. There's an hourly consultation that you can use for help with sourcing. You can use it for just picking my brain about how to place objects or need help with paint colors or you can sign up for a like single room package, but there's no so customization. So you're both very
0: flexible in how you met your client's needs here. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, but I but I was fairly explicit that there would not be customization options. You know, we can't right. do custom draperies, right. we can't do custom upholstery, unless they are willing to kind of go beyond the, the limited scope of what was being provided. You know, for a flat fee, we can do this, but it's gonna be more like off the shelf, things, you're not going to get maybe the level of detail and all the little nuance and those options that, you know, create the spaces that you might see, you know, when published or something like that. So, and, and, you know, some people wanted more and and other people were kind of fine with that. But, you know, most of my work involves customization, almost everything at this point. So it was hard to sort of, modify my style to work within those parameters, but it was just would have been so difficult to try to achieve it otherwise. Right. Unless you approached it in a more traditional project structure, which is kind of what we didn't want to do.
0: Right. But it sounds like for both of you, this e-design was a way to broaden your client base. I mean, obviously you're both pretty high-end designers and People with a certain income would come to you and want a certain level of attention to their home. So this gave you a broader clientele an audience, but I would imagine that it also presented some challenges. Like Danielle, like say some, I'm just making this up, but say somebody came to you and they had this room and they really needed window treatments. Now, obviously, as you know, we say, Martha was saying you're not going to provide custom draperies, but would you like sketch out things for them or suggest things? And then maybe they go to the shade store and have them made or you know, get their own curtain maker to do them. How did it work?
2: Well, I've, I've got two really good examples of that right now. And they were small projects that started off that ended up ballooning. Like I started off helping somebody Love with that. their family room, it moved to the kitchen, the kitchen migrated to the office, the living room, and then now into the bedroom. And so, where I called Shade Store in Texas, they came out, set everything up, and we kind of knew what we wanted to do. It's a certain linen that I've used before, Mm -hmm. and I was able to work with them to get whatever I needed for the client. They go in in two weeks. We've now done four rooms through them, which was great. I have another client in New Jersey that we're actually doing custom curtains, and it helps because, you know, one of the great parts of it being a designer, especially having membership and design leadership network is that, you know, sometimes we can call other people mm-hmm. and say, I need help. I'm in this area. Who can you recommend for me? A and so that's source. how I've right. managed to find my wallpaper. I've managed to find a curtain maker, an upholsterer. And so I've been able to largely work that way. And then I have another situation where I'll be working with a designer, a younger designer in the place. And I'll kind of be the lead designer on the project, um, guiding it, because obviously the time frame isn't going to work out for me to do um, that at the moment, but who knows?
0: Right. Because, I mean, one of the things that when you first were talking about that, I thought, oh, my God, who's doing the measurements? You know, because I know you don't want me up there measuring my windows. Do you know what I mean? You know, luckily
2: for me, one of the people's husbands is a graphic artist. And so, they would send me these, like, better than I could do for myself. And then the other one had worked for Schumacher in the Dallas showroom. So, she was kind of familiar with Mm -hmm. the process. So, it made it sort of easy. I don't know that I would have done it for everyone. But, you know, I think sometimes you can just tell when you end up working with the situation, how,
0: right. you know, the
2: comfort level
0: for someone. But it's interesting. I think that's such a valid point about reaching out to other designers who are, you know, I find the design community incredibly supportive and, you know, will share resources and, and shopping secrets and all of that. So that's kind of great. Was it similar for you, Martha? Was it this idea that how do you do the measuring? How do you do the, make those decisions? Did you have to like reach beyond your usual
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was some somewhat similar. And what I found is that even though we tried to kind of streamline the process, not one size doesn't fit all with a client. And there are some clients that are a lot more willing to say like, oh, you know, my mother has a, a drapery person, like I would like to go down that route. And I would say, you know, as long as you can provide the field measurements and know that because we can't be there to verify right. them, it, you know, if, if you're okay with that, fine, we can certainly go down that road. But, um, and then there were other people, you know, I, I had a client in London, and I have friends in, and friends in London. And so I asked them, you know, do you know somebody who can do this? Or do you have a good, you know, upholstery shop that can, you know, do X, Y, and Z? So yeah, there was sort of this like networking based on where the clients might be located, that was possible with, with certain clients. And then others, you know, didn't really want to to go to so that level of detail, it just really depended on what their needs were, what their right. budget was.
0: Right, uh, was a
1: primary driver of that. But yeah, it. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it is something that we're not doing as much of anymore because the projects did start to balloon into these more, you know, comprehensive. You know, jumping from one room to another, and while it's great. I found that I was getting stretched really thin with my, you know, my local projects starting back up and a lot of new people coming in. And, you know, I want to be able to give the same attention to everybody. And especially when you can't do a site visit, it's easy for things to slip through the cracks unless you're really staying on top of it. And when there's, you know, multiple people and you're tracking all the details, it becomes a little harder.
0: Right. Because it seems to me both of you are saying that you start out, there's different levels of almost limitations. You know, we'll do one room, but we won't do any upholstery. and then do three. So it, it expands as it goes along. But I would think that that would also complicate the process and for your your teams, that that could be a difficult thing because as you both have your actual physical 3D clients that you go into this space and see this space and whatever. So... Was it Has it ever been a problem in terms of communicating to these clients, especially the long-distance clients, what those levels of limitation are, what they're getting for what they're paying for? Danielle, have you had that problem, or is it just they are willing to go along with it and expand?
2: Well, I think within the first hour consultation, you can get a good feel for the person's comfort level. And there's, I've had numerous where I've done an hour. They seemed, you know, you should move this here. This would be better there. If it were my place, I would do this and we've walked through and then never done it again. So, you know, those, like in that substance, you kind of get, they got what they wanted at that point. Other clients, like, I feel like once you start suggesting something and I said, well, we would have to work and switch the way we're working. So it wouldn't be, you know, just a Zoom call like this. It wouldn't be us just moving around. It would be more where I'd be sending things in a traditional manner of here is an estimate, here's this, and we had a different engagement level at that process. But I think also they had the trust level with me And one of the nice parts about doing this is maybe a little different than when you're engaged in a project, they're doing some of the work, so they're invested in it, and they see the results much more quickly, and I think just the little change spurred them to want to do more. And to oh, me, that's, that's why point. I do this. It's it's the like when you get the picture of somebody on a Friday night and their teenage sons are laying on a sofa, and they had never even noticed that the room existed in the house with, <laughs> for eons. Um, right. so, you know, to me, that's where the real change comes about is when you start seeing the transformation. And I've always been a believer that if you get people engaged in the process and the progress of their own homes, they become more invested in it. I'm not the one that's like, you go away, I'm going to do all the work and voila, come back, it's Right, done. the
0: magical inst- impact moment. It's just where not my thing.
1: Right. Hi, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the Cherish podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I am the co-founder and president of Cherish. Professional designers are invited to join the Cherish trade program to access special benefits like net pricing and a special trade-only customer service hotline. New this year, we're also introducing a loyalty program where designers earn $75 in cash for every $5,000 they spend on Cherish. We do hope you'll join us, and in order to do so, please visit cherish.com backslash trade. That's spelled C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H dot com backslash trade.
2: And now back to the show.
0: So I wanted to ask, and this is something that I think is a night can be a nightmare in person, in 3D. It's like, how do you deal, and Martha, we'll start with you, how do you deal with fabric choices, colors? Do you send mood boards to these clients? Do you send fabric swatches, paint samples? You know, and as we all know, paint and a little swatch is going to look very different than when you fill a whole wall with it. How do you deal with all those things, which are so physical and, te- you know, textural, et cetera, in the realm of the virtual here? So Martha, why don't you start?
1: Sure. Well, you know, this is something that I've I've come to I've I've had to adjust my my kind of traditional projects in the same way because a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing in-person meetings. So everything has kind of shifted to be done remotely and, and to a certain degree. So in some ways it's not that different. You know, my vendors will ship fabrics to the client. We'll set up a FaceTime call. Well, we'll review them. And I'll say like, based on the image you sent me and what I'm seeing here, I think I like this one best, but what do you think? I'm not there in person. And it's very collaborative. And, you know, in that way, it's, it's kind of nice as, as you mentioned, Danielle, it's, you know, it's, it's, Sort of bringing the the, the client into the decision making process a little bit more because they are being um, you know I think everybody's always proactive and in a project they don't want tonight have not have a, a say in it but it's a different kind of uh, relationship um, so yeah we would we would put together a little material packages with samples in them send it off FedEx and then review it on a call or a Zoom meeting and you know, do like a digital mood board as well. But that's what we're also doing with a lot of our, our regular, regular clients. Real, too. The real
0: clients as yeah, opposed to the and virtual clients. And I, and I don't, <laughs> I I don't mean to,
1: to, not, you know, to make a distinction to suggest that one is in any way like less than the other. It's just a different way of working. And I think for me, it was about expectation management of saying like, okay, it, this is what we can give you for this amount of money and this amount of time. And if you want more than that, then yes, we absolutely can do that. But, you know, there's it's going to take more time or it's going to be, it, we just have to sort of shift the way that's, that that we're approaching this project. It's it's a little less like one and done and more of a ongoing living, breathing thing.
0: Yes, I would imagine that expectation management, which I think is a great term, It's difficult even with your, you know, real 3D clients. So this way, I would think it could be a little bit more fraught. Um, Have you found that, Danielle, Do you have to, like, do you do very clear contracts for these clients or do you just spell it out in email, what they're going to get? How do you avoid disappointing them?
2: You know, I think it's been more of a situation that's kind of morphed. I don't have anybody that's been like, I want to redo the whole thing from the get-go. And I don't know that I would be comfortable with that. I think these started off as hourly consults and a package. And they moved into what I would say is a more traditional working arrangement for me. And I'm working with them largely the same way I am with the people in Atlanta if I'm in Palm Beach or the people in Palm Beach if I'm in Atlanta. I am starting to travel more now. So I'm much more comfortable with that also. But I think the expectations on there, I think... Again, I think it's one of those things you can tell with the people. I think they were, the the few that I'm kind of like thinking about we're so grateful to have the help and this see the transformation that they were thrilled with anything. So the way I kind of handled scale was I need for you to measure this out, put the blue tape on the floor and tape out the room. And then I would literally say move it back this little bit, move it forward. And that's how we kind of managed to find rug sizes and paint colors were more, I just would suggest colors, but a lot of it came from other work of mine that had been published. A couple of people really wanted that particular pink that I did in the show house for Kips Bay in Palm Beach. You know, and I think we've all been doing this long enough that you kind of know what's, I mean, within an hour, you generally know with anybody how it's going to end up playing out. You, you have, I, I don't really think we're so much as a designer as we are, a, you know, a psychologist for mm-hmm. interviewing Couple therapists. Often. Right, it is, but it's but that's really what it is, is you have to go beyond what they're asking for and figure out why they're asking for it and what they hope to purpose with it. So I think it's just those questions within there. And it's no different in a real in-person meeting. Um, it's it a little bit easier.
0: And have you turned down any virtual clients? as You might have like turned down an in-person client.
2: Yes, I have.
0: <laughs> How about you, Martha? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's good to know that they come in all shapes and sizes. Well, you know, it's a
1: learning curve. You know, at first, I, I, there's a lot of reading between the lines when you initially meet some, you know, with a prospective client. You know, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you, and there are certain like red flags that you listen for. Like whenever, whenever anyone says, "I'm easy," you're like okay, they're not going to be easy. Right, <laughs> you know right, I mean? exactly. They're, they're That's just like certain off. things you hear, uh, which doesn't mean that they're, they're, it's not a good project, but you know, the, you just kind of yeah. have to listen for those things. And I think when I first started doing the, the e-design, I wasn't, quite sure because I couldn't meet somebody in person you know you have a different interaction with with somebody when you're in their home you can see how they live you can meet their children their their spouses you can pick up on a lot more that might be going on that you can tell like you know what I don't know if this is the right fit or I think that this is going to be a challenge but it's a challenge that's worth you know worth taking on when you're just talking to somebody on the phone. you know, you don't always pick up on those things. And so there were a couple of instances where I kind of started down a path with somebody. And then I was like, you know, I don't think that this is what I'm able to offer is what they're looking for. And I was able to, uh, over the the course of the time I was doing the program, kind of weed those out a little bit. And and I also put together a questionnaire that I would send everybody up front, just saying, if you are interested in moving forward, you need to answer these questions. And a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't, respond because it was like, oh, this is too much work. I don't want to do this. Right. You know, they're asking me for these measurements and pictures. Like, you know, they just wanted to be a fun thing. It's like, well, if you want this to be a good thing, then you have to work with me here. And I want to know what your taste is. I want to know, you know, of these images, we what appeals to you? What are your absolute, you know, I must have a velvet. I must have a mohair. Like, I, am you know, absolutely don't want to go near the stuff. It needs to all be linen, like whatever those types of of things are. It needs to be kid-friendly, dog-friendly. Sometimes, you know, that alone will will kind of indicate the kind of
0: The the level of commitment that, which is in some cases not there, you Mm -hmm. know, but I would imagine, I mean, listen, I know from stories from practically every designer I've ever met, there's also, you know, the real in-person clients with the big budgets who are nightmares and you want to walk away from. So I'm, it's not, you know, I don't want anyone to think that we're, you know, thinking less of people who do virtual, de- clients mm-hmm. who do virtual design. I think I think it's actually a great thing that you guys are giving a wider range of people a chance to become happier with their homes, you know? And I think that's a, such a valuable thing. But I want to turn that around a little and ask you both about what satisfaction you guys get out of it. Is it equal to when you're doing a full-scale project? Why don't we start with you, Danielle?
2: I would say in a couple of cases, it's been more.
0: um, Really? Because
2: I think I do a lot of mine through Zoom like this, or I do it through a FaceTime. And I think to have that interaction and to kind of see the whole family sort of, you know, I'm like the virtual designer that gets you know their kids are running through there they're fixing dinner they're kind of whatever and one of my clients in New Jersey the boys call me the blueberry girl and it's it's kind of cracking me up like I feel like honestly I'll end up being friends with them forever and this lady of nice she's going to host a book signing party and a trunk show and we found some other similarities and I feel like her husband is now going to take over some of my website design so for really for me it became a lot like a traditional working relationship. And she's, my mom is the one that set all my stuff up because we were short on office staff. And my mom sent me the cutest text and said, you're going to love this lady. I swear she'll be your new best friend. And I was like, oh, you know. So, but in the truth, it really, you could tell from that. I have somebody else interview them ahead of time to kind of make sure that it's not going to be A disaster. You know, I I think really it is that first hour of just, I'm feeling you out. I want to find out what your expectations are. I want to find out what you want to accomplish. I want to find out what your goals are. And you kind of know from that. But for me, I think any design I do, it's never been about the money. I, I love that part, obviously. Right. Um, but it's, it's you are an satis- <laughs> <laughs> do if you work hard for it, but you know, I think it's the satisfaction of watching people engage with their home in a completely different manner than they ever did before. It is that sense of I love where I am and I walk in, and you have given me this gift of loving my space and spending time with my children, and my husband and I sit up and watch TV together instead of a retreat. To me, that is the end- all to end all, and it's why you know, you want to do this.
0: Okay, but one question. Yeah. When you go to meet this client in New Jersey and go into the, the house, I presume for the first time, really, after seeing it, will you like be going and moving the pillows around and re- redoing the tablescape on the coffee table? Or do you, do they really...
2: No, I think of course I will. Like, I think this was really just, um, well, you know, that this was just a starting point. Like now right. we've gotten a rug, sofa, chairs, we're picking out more chairs. So, but now that I can travel, I feel like this is going to take another shape. Like we've now decided to do the backyard at a pool, redo the awnings, like, so there will be more to do. But of course, I mean, I can't even walk into anybody's house without going and fluffing the pillows. Like, I mean, I'm the world's worst I need to have you over guest. to my apartment. <laughs> oh, I'm the house guest that gets up in the middle tonight and moves things around the next morning. I'm like, oh, I just wanted you
0: to know don't trip because I moved your sofa. <laughs> and how about you, Martha? Do you find it as equally as satisfying or do you find it like a little bit, you know, if you just find it lesser than, it's like a side thing, but it's not as rewarding? I guess I just
1: got something different out of it. I, I think for me, one of the things that was the most gratifying was a just connecting with people that might not have I, I might have never had an opportunity to connect with otherwise in different states, different countries, and getting to know them and and kind of giving them something to be excited about during this very challenging time. And just having like a, a bit of human interaction, you know, what is your version of this like? And you get to be kind of friends with people, which is really cool. And and also they were all extremely complimentary of my work. You know, I have some high maintenance clients uh, in LA. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you that do. Are, uh, you know, certainly appreciative, but can be a little bit more um, challenging sometimes. And to have somebody that's just like, my team would call them like my fangirls <laughs> it was really mm-hmm. sweet and and it was just like wow i'm so it makes me feel really good and and like what i'm doing is worthwhile to know that i have connected with somebody and and making them happy and that they love what i'm doing and that i'm bringing joy and beauty into their home it, that was extremely gratifying and it kind of outweighed in some ways the inability to go there and do all my little styling and and those things that are gratifying to me at the end of a project before we photograph it or something. It was also creating like a dexterity to work within a different set of parameters. You know, I wasn't able to show them everything custom and a $10,000 sofa. It's like, okay, let's work with what's available in stock. And that was a helpful exercise for me. It's like, it doesn't, it's not always all high end.
0: Right. That can helpful. be a challenge. It's a, it's yeah. a creative challenge to spend it, less sometimes. It is. It is. Right. It's a lot
1: easier to just go high. Right. <laughs> in right. Some ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I I, you know, bought a ton off of Cherish. I bought a ton off of other, you know, things that were like in-stock retailers, places like Lulu in Georgia and Georgia and stuff like that. And and uh, you know, at least some of those vendors, I, I buy cherish for all my projects, but some of them where i wasn't as familiar with their inventory and it was great to get to know those those resources a little better so it was just a different kind of a thing i would
0: say well i have to say i do suspect that you know just as after covid we finally have a vaccine and we're dealing with it. I don't think people are going to go back to working in an office Monday through Friday, you know, nine to six or whatever. I do think that it's changed the way we operate and it's going to be greater flexibility. I suspect that e-design is not going away. It clearly has brought out something in both of you that, you know, you've learned different things, you've had different challenges. So what would be the one bit of advice you would give to another designer who's starting out and is – doing their first one or two clients virtually. Let's start with you, Danielle.
2: Well, I would just say don't jump in feet first. I mean, I think it's it's good to have where you have the initial hourly meeting. You know, it needs to be done where there's some kind of parameters ahead of time. And I do the same thing of answer these questions, tell me the, tell me this, tell me that. So you kind of have an idea going in and they do some homework. You have that initial hour to look at it and then make the decision if it works for you. And I think, you know, if it's all you're looking for is that one hour, then great, use that to fill those holes in that you might want to. If you're looking for something, you know, longer term and you just, then you need to kind of readjust how many of those initial hours you take. I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of just intuitiveness that you have to be able to take in with stuff. And it's just like a normal job. I think it's, it's, in a way, I kind of looked at it as like, okay, they couldn't fly me to whatever the location is. They probably would have had we been in a different situation. And I may have been too busy at that point to have done that. So I think kind of look at it as if it would go on in a long term,
0: but start it off in a short term. Okay, very good advice. Martha, what about you?
1: It's interesting. I have like a slightly different experience, I think, than that in terms of um – to me, the, the thing that that I would, I guess, caution against is the managing expectations and also figuring out how you're going to market the service. Is it the same type of service that you would provide to a normal client or is it something different? Because a lot of people came to me thinking e-design was a bargain. It was a cheaper service. It was not the same. and And so... That, I think, became a little challenging in some instances.
0: People thought you were going to lower your standards in a way?
1: Yeah, or that they could get a full project for a flat fee. And I think that there's a lot of online e-design services out there that have created sort of an unrealistic bar of what is achievable, like getting an entire room for $2,500. Like, I don't know how that's possible. Right. Um, it's
0: like HGTV when you see those exactly. week and I week think, long makeovers like.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you go to dinner and you come back and you turn on the light right. switch and oh, right. it's all done. It's right. like, you know, and I think that that has been one of the things that has been hard for you know, interior design as, a, as an industry in general is to try to the curtain has been pulled back a little bit and people see behind it. And so now they're like, well, you know, I know that you know, this program, I can get, you know, a whole room for this amount of money. So why can't I get that with you? It's like, well, that's not the service I'm providing. And if you want that service, I'm maybe not the person for you. So to kind of like set the expectation ahead of time of, you know, e-design, it's, it's not discount design. It's, it's just a different type of thing.
0: Exactly. And it's not a lesser than. But clearly, your aesthetic, Danielle's aesthetic, is what you want to perpetuate and give to your clients. Is you're doing it in a different way.
1: I would say, if I there was a mistake, I would say that was the the mistake that I made was to was it, you know offering a flat fee option as well as the hourly consult. The clients that all chose the hourly consult ended up being, I think, a little but it was a little easier for me to say, okay, it's going to be, if you want to move on to this room, then it's going to be more hours. Um, Whereas when I, when they said, I want to pay a flat fee. And I tried to think of what that number was, having not done it before, I realized I was backing myself into a corner where it's like, I can't give them the level of service that I want to give for that amount of money. Therefore it is not lucrative. So I think that for somebody who's considering going into it, if you want to do a flat fee, you need to be very, very clear about what it is you're offering and make sure that it's it's a more limited. Or if you're okay, going out of pocket, potentially, if things expand and people, oh, I don't like this option. I want to see three more options.
0: It's almost like starting a side business in a way. And like, you know, when you're starting a business, you inevitably make some mistakes. You learn quickly, we hope. But it, it seems as if it, it's an expansion of your regular business, but it's also slightly different. So have Either one of you had to hire separate staff or expand your staff to, to deal with the e-design
2: I've had to expand, but it's not only e design. I have, um, I think that would be too hard to have somebody do that. So, you don't have one one person that's
0: specifically doing the e design clients. You just needed another person on your team.
2: Right. And I needed somebody that kind of understood that, you know, we're not going to be flying you out to this place. This is, you know, it's really this fabric on this chair that getting it here. It's the logistics issues. So, I just found that that became more of an issue for me trying to juggle remotely for me being able to take care of people from one place. It's, you know, it's always a a struggle, but it became more of a struggle because I do think that there is a slowdown also with everybody with COVID. I mean, you know, putting in anything is, you have to add a minimum of two weeks for anything. Mm
0: -hmm. Suppliers backlog, totally. Delivery backlogs, definitely, definitely. And what about you, Martha? Have you expanded your team at all?
1: I have, I had a, one of my full-time project managers uh, initially was, was just going to focus on e-design, but since our, you know, our load of, of, of in-person projects uh, has increased, I had to mm-hmm. <laughs> take her away from that. Uh, and then I I've, I've brought in some support people to help me with sourcing and other things. But yes, my initial idea of having somebody who just manages those projects is just not proven to be, you know, something that is workable based on the work that I have right now but it's, it's certainly a, a thing that I think you know if you find a way to, to make it work you know it could be its own job for sure right
0: well this has been fascinating I've learned so much today I can't thank you both enough you know I want to thank my guests Martha Mulholland and Danielle Rollins and I encourage you all to explore eDesign. so thank you Thanks for listening to The Cherish Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague, or even better, go to the iTunes store and post a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and edited by Max Solomon of Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.